0: The word of God from Deuteronomy 26. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first fruit of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall put it in a basket and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who is in office at the time. And say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give to us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall make response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number. And there he became a nation, great mighty and populous and the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor then we cried to the lord the, uh, then we cried to the lord the god of our fathers and the lord heard our voice and saw our affliction our toil and our oppression and the lord brought us out of egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great deeds of terror and signs and wonders And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce, in the third year, which is the year of tithing, giving it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your towns and be filled. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed this, the sacred portion of my house, and moreover, I have given it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandment, according to your, all your commandment that you have commanded me. I have not transgressed any of your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten of the tithe while I was mourning, or removed any of it while I was unclean, or offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God. I have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven, and bless your people Israel, and the ground that you have given us, as you swore to our fathers a land flowing with milk and honey. This day, the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and rules. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have declared today that the Lord is your God, and that you will walk in His ways and keep His statutes and His commandments and His rules and will obey His voice. And the Lord has declared today that you are a people for His treasured possession, as He has promised you, and that you are to keep all His commandments And that he will sit you in praise and fame and in honor high above all nations that he has made. And that you shall be a people holy to the Lord your God as he promised. Let's ask for the Lord's help. Lord, thank you so much for your Bible. Lord, we know that um, it was your voluntary love act that brought us this word. Lord, you uh, were under no obligation. You were not forced to give us your word lord instead you loved us so much that you gave us your word so that we might see you there and see our great need for you that we might see our savior jesus christ lord would you help us to do that this morning as we look at your word help us to see jesus help us to see our savior and lord help us to see ourselves and our great need of him lord have your way in us Pray that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, just a quick reminder, just to um, get some setting before we jump into this morning's um, passage. Is Deuteronomy is that book, remember, that's the last book before the Israelites, the descendants of Jacob. Um, Jacob had his name changed to Israel, and that's why they're called Israel, and they're called Israelites. So they're at this place now, where they were rescued from slavery in Egypt and God has brought them through the wilderness and they're on one side of the river and on the other side of the river is the promised land. So they're not quite there yet. They're still on this side of the river. They're waiting to cross over. And what Moses is instructing them is he's saying to them, you're not there yet, but when you get there, this is how you're going to live. These are the instructions that you are to follow. And he gives this instruction regarding tithes or first fruits, the best of what you have produced. And this happens every three years. So he's saying to them, when you go into this land, there's going to be something called a year of tithing. And every three years, you'll go to the place that God chooses, which is eventually Jerusalem. You'll go to Jerusalem, and there at Jerusalem, every three years, you will give more of your first fruits. You'll give you'll give a tithe. You'll give the best of what you have. And he's telling them, when you get there, you're going to hand it over, and then the priest will say some things to you, and then you are going to make a response. We see that there in verse 5. And in this response, what they do from verse 5 down to verse 9 is they recite some of their history as the people of Israel. They recite how they came out of Egypt as slaves, they were oppressed, they were afflicted, and they were under hard labor, they were toiling, they were harassed, they were humiliated by the Egyptians. They recall all of this history after they give this tithe. And what this passage really stresses for us is that history is important. And that's our first point this morning. In fact, history is going to be a key word going forward. History is important, but why is history important? Well, history, we can see here, is closely tied to the identity of the Israelites. Their history is closely tied to who they are today. They are a redeemed and rescued people. But rescued tells us something about their history, doesn't it? It tells us that they were once not rescued, and they were once slaves. And they give us more detail. Redeemed means they were once belonging to something else, but now they've been redeemed, purchased, and now they belong to someone else. So history is closely linked, closely tied to your identity. In fact, this weekend is a long weekend. I know that everyone knows that. And this weekend on Monday, um, which is tomorrow, we have a public holiday. And if you're an Aucklander, you identify with the history of Auckland. In 1839, William Hobson arrived in New Zealand He arrived on January the 29th. So, here in Auckland, the closest Monday to the 29th, we celebrate our anniversary as Aucklanders. And that's a part of our history. In fact, next week, there's an even more monumental day that we um, observe that's a bit more historical than Auckland Anniversary Day. It's called Waitangi Day. And we all know that, right? We all know that Waitangi Day is next weekend. In fact, if you're smart, you've got those days in between off. So next weekend we sort of observe what is the beginning of New Zealand as a country as we know it today and so we're affected by our history in fact we get days off this weekend and next weekend and it's closely linked to who we are as a country and who we are as a city Auckland Anniversary and Waitangi Day and there are things that we do here at church that remind us of our history so if if you're a a believer here the first Sunday of every month, we do the Lord's Supper. So we have up here the bread and the wine that symbolizes the body and the blood of Christ. And we come up and we remember what has been done historically for us. We remember actual events in the past that affect us today, that have changed us today, that help to identify who we are today. So history is important because history is linked and tied to our identity. We see that in you know, smaller examples as Aucklanders, bigger New Zealanders, but even bigger as Christians. And so what God is doing here in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is he's saying to these Israelites, remember who you were. Think about who you are now because of what I did for you. And that's a big message coming through there. Remember who you were. Think about who you are now because of what I did for you because of what God has accomplished for them and so history is important let me jump to a second point now Um, Israel's history is the church's history in two different ways Israel's history is the church's history literally and also spiritually what I mean by literally is we find Paul talks about in Ephesians 2. In verse 12 and 13, he says, remember, he's talking to Gentiles. And I think pretty much everyone in this room would be classified as a Gentile. A Gentile is someone who doesn't have Jacob or Israel as their um, ancestor. They're people who don't share the blood of the Jews, which is probably everyone in this room. I don't know anyone who's Jewish here. So we would be classified as Gentiles. And when Paul writes the book of Ephesians, he's writing to a predominantly gentile audience and he says this to them remember you were once separated from christ you were once alienated from the commonwealth of israel and he adds on you were um, strangers to the covenants and promise with having no hope and without god in the world so he says to the gentiles you're not a part of these people called the israelites but he adds a very important word here that that pivots he says the word but He says, but now Christ has brought you near because of his blood. What does that mean for us today as we sit here and think about Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy is not a part of history that is detached from you if you are a Christian. If you are a part of the church, these are your people. In fact, if you are a part of the church, you were brought in to this family, the people of God. And so this history is your history. And it's no wonder why we have the privilege of going through an Old Testament book here um, at church and how we should relish the Old Testament and enjoy it as not only this history that happened in in the ancient Near East, but as something that really um, is our history. I want to move on to the more important um, part there. So it's literally our history if you are a part of the church. But the question is, is it spiritually your history? And This is where I really beg you to pay attention. Is this spiritually your history? And this is what I mean by spiritually. The New Testament gives us these words um, that cause the Old Testament and things that happen in the Old Testament, events and places and things, they call them shadows. And what is a shadow? Like if if you saw my shadow on the ground, you'd, you'd know that that's not me on the ground but it is my shadow, it's a silhouette, it's a sort of a picture, and if you follow that shadow to its end, you'd find me. So the shadow will point to the greater reality. So the shadow is not me, but I am, and the shadow will lead you to me. When we think about what has happened with slavery in Egypt, with their departure, the exodus from Egypt, and them going towards the promised land, Moses, the great mediator of the Old Testament, leading them from that place to the new place. They are all shadows of greater realities that we find as we um, look more in the Bible. So what is Egypt a shadow of? We find there that these people, as they recall their history, they say that they were humiliated there. They were oppressed. They were subject to slavery. They were afflicted. They toiled, they worked and worked and worked with no result. That's the history that a Christian can recall themselves because Egypt is a picture, a shadow of sin and death. So a Christian should be able to say with the Israelites, I was oppressed, I was afflicted and I toiled. I was once a slave. The Israelites would say, Moses, the mediator, brought us out from there. He led us Out of Egypt and into the wilderness and he's leading us to the promised land. And what is Moses a shadow of? We see this clearly in the book of Hebrews. Moses, the mediator, is a shadow of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the full realized reality. Jesus Christ is the greater reality that Moses was a shadow of. And what did Jesus do? He leads people out of sin and death into the promised land. And what is the promised land a picture of? The promised land here that they're talking about, they're thinking about a land of rest, a land flowing with milk and honey, where God is leading them to, and they're going to stay there. That's a picture of eternity with heaven. In fact, again, in Hebrews 4, we see that the rest talked about there is realized in the eternal rest with God in heaven. And so when I say, is this, Your spiritual history, what I'm asking is, is that true of your past? Did Jesus Christ pull you out of sin and death? And is he leading you towards eternity with him? This is the church's spiritual history. So anyone who is a Christian can say those things about themselves. They can say what the Israelites said, but only in a greater reality that they were slaves, that they were oppressed, that they toiled and labored, that they were humiliated, but then a mediator took them from where they were to a promised land, and we're on our way there. So those are a couple of points that I want us to consider this morning. Is history is important because it's tied to your identity, and the church's history, or well Israel's history, is the church's history. And I want to talk about something else that we find here. We see it particularly in verse 10, 11, and 16. Is What is the appropriate response to what God has done in history? What is our response to history? So if we look there in verse 10 of chapter 26, it says there, And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship Before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. What language do we find there? We find the language of bring your first fruits. What that means is bring the best that you have. We see language there of come and worship. What what does that mean? It means to come and adore, come and have your affections poured out to Him. We see there rejoice. So when you come, rejoice. The New Testament language for this we find in Romans 12 and verse 1 and 2. Um, Beautiful verses. It says that I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You see the relation there between the Old and New Testament. It has always been the same when God has done something like this for you in history, where he has actually saved you or redeemed you. Brought you to a place um, where you weren't. What what he requires of you is that you have an outpouring inside of your heart. What that tells us is worshipping God is not just an external thing. Worshipping God has never been just an external thing. What does that mean? Well, it means, friends, that when we worship God, it's in response to what he's already done. And God, motivated by His love, has done what He has done. And so we should be motivated by love to return um, our praise and our thanksgiving and our worship to Him. And here's a really, really important point that we must think about and we must wrestle with and we have to get clear. is What is the relationship between the salvation that God gives because He's motivated by His love and He saves people? What is the relationship between salvation And the works that we're called to do. So it says here, if you look in verse 16, in chapter 26, it says, This day the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and rules. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all your heart and with all your soul. So it's motivated by love, but there are things that we are commanded to do. And obedience is required. But what is the relationship between the works that we do, those things there, the following of the commandments, And the salvation that we have, the salvation that God accomplishes for us. And here's something that we must really have clearly in our minds. Salvation requires the response of works. Let me try and make that a little bit more clear. Works are a response to salvation, not the cause of it. I'll I'll say that again. Works are are the response to God's salvation and not the cause of it what does that mean it means friends that when we're commanded to do this or that or a b or c a b or c doesn't save you you doing a b and c or you turning up to church every single week or giving money or finding some way to serve doesn't make you saved but salvation should call us to do those things Um, In other words, it's impossible to work for salvation. But salvation has made works possible. Because we are saved, we can work. Because we are saved, we don't have to sin. Because we are saved, we can now worship God. And now that we've had all this talk about history, um, here's a final point to consider, and then I want to appeal to you, is... Because your identity is so linked to history, I want to make this claim. Um, you can't respond to a history that does not belong to you. You can't respond to a history that does not belong to you. What do I mean by that? Well, we see some important words here um, were was Th- those past tense w- past tense words that a pointing back to something that's something who the Israelites were we were afflicted we were oppressed we were under toil we were humiliated we were we were weary and heavy laden we were separated from Christ we were um, strangers to the covenants and promise we were aliens to the commonwealth of Israel and what's important there is the words were that's who we once were Because there are only two categories when it comes to those words. Either you were that or you are that. Either you were there or you are there. And so friend, my question to you is which one applies to you? Is that something that you were or is that something that you are? Is a slave something that you were or is a slave something that you are? You have to be one or the other. Is oppressed and afflicted and under toil and heavy Um, labor is that something that you were or something that you are is that true about you now or is that something that was true about you and you can only be one of those two options and so I ask you this morning which one applies to you is that something that's true about your history or is that something that's true about you right now at present were you a slave to sin and death Or are you a slave to sin? It's either your past or your present, and it can only be one or the other. Have you been rescued by Jesus, the blood that brings us near? Have you been um, rescued from your sin and death by that great mediator? Are you on your way to the promised land? Is that where he's taking you? Or friends, are you still in Egypt? Are you yet in your sin, which is so closely tied to death? Where are you this morning? Are you somewhere? Um, can, you, can you truly say about yourself that that's where I was? That's who I was. That's something that we were. Or friends, is that something that you are this morning? And if that's something that you were, consider these wonderful verses. In verse 18, it says this, And the Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession, as he has promised you, and that you are to keep all his commandments, and that he will set you in praise and fame and in honor, high above all nations that he has made, and that you shall be a people holy to the Lord your God, as he promised if that's something that you were, if you were a slave, if you were oppressed, if you were under that condemnation and death, if that's something that was true about you before, this is what is true about you now. But friends, if sin and death is still true about you right now, this is something that is not true about you. You are not his prized possession. Um, You are not going to get that inheritance. You are not on your way to the promised land. So I plead with you this morning, to come to Jesus. Put all of your weight on him. Don't rely on any of your works because your works will never get you into salvation. Your works will never accomplish redemption. Only Jesus can. And so you must fully depend and rely upon him so that this might be your prison, that you might be a cherished prized possession of God today. Don't wait for tomorrow, friends. If this is true about you, come today. Let me pray. Lord, as we consider these words penned uh, thousands of years ago, we thank you so much uh, that they have relevance for us today. Thank you, Lord, that we look back and we see all of these shadows casted by Jesus. We thank you that we look back and we see that they point us forward to the reality that is Jesus Christ on the cross, that Jesus Christ crucified. Thank you, Lord, that we can look back and learn from our past, learn from our history. And Lord, as our identity is closely tied to our history, Lord, I pray that we we could say, everyone in this room, that that's something that we once were, so that now we could say that we are, uh, the possession, the treasured possession of God. Oh Lord, would you work in the hearts of everyone this morning? Lord, that your uh, treasured possessions here this morning would be full of joy, uh, hearts overflowing, motivated by love to do all that you have commanded as a response to your goodness, not the cause of it. And Lord, I pray for uh, those who are yet to believe in Jesus Christ, that you would lead them to him this morning. Our Lord, would you tear down any notion that they can make their way to you. And Lord, would you lead them to Christ who accomplishes all of that for us. The only way. Our Lord, be pleased to save people. Be pleased, Lord, to redeem people and lead them to you. Change hearts uh, so that more people might worship you. And we pray that your name would be famous all around the world. Thank you so much for your goodness and uh, this precious time that we've had to open your word. And Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, it it will bear fruit. Thank you so much for your goodness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.